And it's a great pleasure to be back with you once again for another international edition of Nightlight. Well, today we're going to Dresden in Germany to meet author and poet Curtis Peter van Gorder, who's going to be sharing with us a very colorful cross-section of his work from three volumes of poetry that he's just published called Poems from a Raconteur, Eclectic Musings. And we're also going to enjoy a few songs from a newcomer to Nightlight, Jerry Asmus. I kind of came across Jerry by accident as I was browsing the newbeat.org website. He has an album there called The Best of Jerry Asmus with 24 really inspired and well-produced songs. And I'll try and play you a few more of them during this program, in which we're going to meet Curtis Peter Van Gorda. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. 
Peter, it's been, I think, almost 20 years since I saw you last. I'm seeing you here right now as I'm talking to you over Skype, and you're looking good. Well, thank you very much. And where are you speaking to us from? I'm speaking to you from Dresden, Germany, which is about two hours south of Berlin. Peter, I know you've lived in many different countries of the world as a missionary. How long have you been in Germany, and why are you there? Good question. Um, I've been here for about six years. And I'm here because of the principle of open and closed doors. That when a door shuts in one place, that it opens in another. That's what happened. The door opened here, so we jumped right in. And what did the door open for you to do? I'm an English teacher. I do writing. And also I do uh, pantomime. I do uh, pantomime workshops in various countries. Wow. And I also work at the Christmas Circus as a mime artist. But uh, this year, not. Right, for obvious reasons. Praise the Lord. Well, you've written a book of poetry, which I was very pleasantly surprised to get when you sent it to me. Well, not surprised, because I know you're a very creative person. And I've very much enjoyed, over the years, your inspirational and devotional writings for Activated and other publications. So I shouldn't be surprised that you also write poems. Tell us about your poetry. Well, I'll tell you, poetry has always spoken to me. Now, sometimes I get an inspiration, like I'm, you know, like I'm watching a video, a movie, and or uh, I'm sleeping, and all of a sudden the line comes to me, and it just, boom. And it's just, uh, I have to write it down, and as I do, it uh, more comes. So I feel poetry is really good, like condensed thought, you know. Wow. Where you have a big idea, but then you it starts coming to you in... Almost like you could say it's very similar to getting a song. Condensed thought. Wow, I really like that definition. How many poems are in these three volumes and what span of time do they cover in your life? Well, uh, I'm not sure how many there will be because we keep getting more. Just last night I got another one, so I'm not sure of the number. Be over 100. It, this spans my whole life, actually, from when because I've been collecting my poems since I was a teen. My whole life, really. Well, Peter, we really look forward to hearing your choice of poems that we're going to hear on this show. And thank you also for taking the time to add music and sound effects, which really do add another dimension to them. So what's the first poem? Okay, so the first one is Plato's Cave. And that is a poem that was inspired by a photograph that I took when I was a teenager. And I was in this cave and I, was, and I did like a self-portrait and to me, it was like symbolic of looking into my, my own future and what it had in store for me. Maybe, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the story of Plato's cave. Not at all. So this is very interesting. Plato was writing, he said, like, we right now are like prisoners chained in a cave. And we only see the shadows of reality because our back is turned to what's happening. But... One day when we're released from our chains, we go outside the cave, we can see all of reality. So that's uh, the spiritual world. We can only see now a glimpse of the spiritual world. But uh, someday we'll know, as it says, face to face. Now we just see through a glass darkly. Plato's Cave. Looking out from Plato's Cave, from a moment that was saved. The shadows of tomorrow are cast in joys and sorrows. 
What we were creating, we have today become. The hopes and dreams we were planting is the sum of all we have done. How could we have known the seed that we had sown would become such a vast forest to yield such a mighty harvest? A sound bite with nightlight. Peter, Plato's Cave is one of your shorter poems. I see here, with the poem, a silhouette of a young man with his back turned looking out of a cave. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. That's when I was like um, 19 or something. <laughs> Amazing. I must say that these poems are very creatively illustrated with all kinds of different photos. Is it true that you're going to make these volumes available for free for our listeners? Yeah, the Lord showed me that, you know, every scribe that's instructed in the kingdom of heaven, like somebody who brings out of his treasure both things old and new. So you got to let it flow and give it out. My feelings also precisely. And listeners will tell you how to get a PDF copy of Poems from a Raconteur at the end of the show. Okay, let's go on with the second poem. All right, so um, this next one is Time Has a Way. And I wrote this kind of reflecting back in my later years, looking back on my whole life and how things, like at the time it seemed like it was there was no way that these things were going to resolve themselves, but somehow they did. And it all worked out. And the problems that I went through, they now seem to be, well, what was I so worried about? But at the time, they were big deals, you know. So, you know, sometimes you get um, a, a, an inspiration by retrospect, by looking back on your life. They say hindsight is always twenty twenty. Time has a way. Time has a quirky way of shaping the rough places plain and smoothing out the bumps. Every year is a new day, yet no two days are ever the same. Oft we struggle to get over the humps. Through our faith and determination, we manage to survive the storm, carry on and progress. Through our desperation, we learn compassion through our victories, new faith is born. With angelic help, we are pulled out of a mess. Night turns to day, and we find a way. The vague becomes clear, the light shines, the path opens up. We walk on to tomorrow's victory. It's nightlight. What a delight. And yes, it is indeed a delight to have a poet with us on Nightlight. And I think this is the first time that we've had a poet on Nightlight. And thank you, Curtis Peter Van Gorder, for taking your time to connect with us over Skype from your home in Dresden, Germany. Peter, one of my favorite sections in poems from a raconteur is telegrams from history. And I'm happy to see that you've chosen to read a couple of poems from there. Tell us about this one. Trotsky's Ghost. So I was watching this mini-series on TV all about, uh, it was a Russian mini-series about Trotsky. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was actually picked to be the successor to Lenin, 
but because of different political things and so on, that Stalin took over. This movie tells about the beginnings of the communist revolution. And when I saw it, the spirit was really speaking to me. And so I wanted to convey some of those thoughts. And, he, you know, the communists wanted to make a utopia. They wanted to make a perfect world. But what happened in reality was very similar to this uh, story by uh, George Orwell about Animal Farm. Trotsky's Ghost. After seeing a miniseries about Trotsky in Russian with English subtitles, the Red Star Steam Loco driving on, heading to a crimson dawn. Fuel fed upon crosses from grave markers, from ghosts that haunt you still of lives taken against their will. On the engine of destruction steams, fueled by an end that justified any means, an end never seen, what is has been. On to the next purge, on to the next scourge. Bourgeoisie, sound the alarm. New czars have taken over Animal Farm. No one will ever accuse you of being too kind, as you searched for a paradise you couldn't find, perpetrating evil in search of bliss, discovering an unfathomable abyss. You insisted on proof of the supernatural, believing only on the factual. When you died, it was given to you. When all things became new, did you heed the cry of those you sent on before, the lost and forsaken from your war, those who cry and those who sigh. You're pitiful, bankrupt, your role is played out. Go where you belong, into the dustbin of history. From being a patriotic myth, you became an awful reality. And yet, the sun also rises. Okay, well, we have much more to come from Curtis Peter Van Gorder. But let's take a break here for another song from today's featured artist, Jerry Asmus.
Nightlight's interview of the week. It's with Curtis Peter Van Gorder, who's sharing with us his choice of poems from Poems from a Raconteur. Nightlight. The next poem is an answer to Ferlinghetti. As I was reading, I came across one of his poems. It was called Somewhere in Eternity. It was um, a poem by Ferlinghetti, who was one of the beat poets. You know, maybe you've heard of the beatniks. Right. Uh, during the 50s. Before the hippies, the beatniks. Right, I remember. They were considered avant-garde and a little bit similar to the hippies. Yes. But they were called beat poets for a few reasons. One was because they had a beat. They often used a drum or something to tell a beat. But also they were fed up with the materialistic world and they were looking for a spiritual world and so on. In this poem that I read, it was a negative poem about Jesus. I thought to respond, like, so the Spirit was speaking and to me, like, how would you answer him, you know, like a response to this? Because sometimes poets or writers, they throw out a, not just an atheistic uh, feeling, but also antagonistic to Christians. So what would Jesus say to somebody like that today, you know? An answer to Ferlinghetti, after reading his poem, Somewhere During Eternity. Somewhere during eternity, a kind of hep carpenter from Nirvana come down here to blow our minds with his cool jazz jive and make us hep to the big daddy-o who made heaven and earth in a week. That cool cat really laid it on us, and moreover, his beat was all written down. First, on some scroll-type parchments, but long after the parchment crumbled, it still burned hot in our hearts as we grooved. Some hepcats believe him and start to swing with the beat. Some squares don't and try to kill the party by laying him out on a tree. But he comes back from hell to party and to sit in on our combo. He's the king cat who's gotta blow his trumpet. The cool daddy-o, you just gotta know. Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. Peter, there's another poem in the telegram from history section, Dresden Showers. You're actually living in Dresden. Tell us about this poem. Okay, so I went to this. This was an amazing exhibition. It's, it was a, called the Panometer, which is a 360-degree painting. You would think that would be kind of a, a bore. How can you make an exhibition out of one painting? But this was like a huge building with this painting all the way around in it showed in very graphic detail uh, what it was like at the bombing. And they had sound effects and lighting effects going on at the same time. Wow. Living in Dresden, 
Uh, this is a very much a part of the history. Right at the end of World War II, so many people thought it was not really necessary for them to bomb Dresden. It was within a few months of the end of the war. They could have easily skipped it. Right. But they did, and they used fire bombs, and they bombed it a few times. So it was like complete, utter devastation. Many people died and so on. But I was really amazed at the resilience of Dresden and how how they rebuilt the city from the ashes, from this terrible destruction, is a beautiful city. Dresden showers. After seeing Yadigar Assisi's 360-degree panometer painting of the bombing in February 1945 of Dresden, Germany. After the moral bombing has ended and silence reigns, after the last cremation pyre has been extinguished, after the ashes have mixed with the tears of this good earth, after the grass has grown over the ruins, children find a playground to hop about making bridges over the gaps. After the parrots that have escaped their cages have returned to roost, after the last wave of Dikahunda is passed, after the last Christmas tree has fallen from the sky, there is a song of stones being prepared, chipped, shaped, and dragged into place, some still blackened to remind us they've been baptized by fire and rain. From the ashes, new hope is reborn. Time heals and gives desolation a shape. Destruction to reconstruction, like a film in reverse motion. Dresden rises up from the fire in restoration. Lazy riverboats carry curious tourists upstream for relaxation. Chips of the ruined cathedral are made into watches and sold for Mother Church's restoration. And in some kind of cosmic restitution, copper plaques condemn the first book burning. To remember those who were dragged from their homes, copper squares are now embedded in the pavement, made smooth by the many shoes that tread, to tell us dates they were born and left this world, and hope that it may not happen today. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. Peter, the next subsection of poems in your book is titled Whispers from the Desert Lands. And these poems vividly brought back a lot of memories of sights and sounds of my own visits to the places you've written about. Let's start with the one on Bethlehem. Right. We did a uh, pantomime workshop there in Bethlehem with some of the NGOs there that were working with conflict resolution. I was really impressed by this wall. They have this wall that goes, it snakes around the whole, you know, if you can imagine living in, in a country like that, where you have a wall separating you, when you go from one place to the next, you have checkpoints all the time. It's really difficult to live in a situation like that. And of course, that's where Jesus uh, was born. That has great significance. And so I would, was imagining 
If Jesus would come there today, what would he say to the people who live there? Bethlehem, I came to your hometown today. The money changers are back. The Romans are gone. New occupiers are in town, running things behind a cement curtain. Like a python that slowly squeezes its prey, the wall surrounds and engulfs cabbages and goats and olive trees. Their future is certainly uncertain making sure no one does too well, the python surrounds and engulfs. You might be surprised to see the wine turn to coffee. New towns are springing up, quickly filling up their cup, like weeds in the desert. Everyone is waiting for you to come back, even those who didn't get it the first time, hoping you'll set things right, bring in the light, Surely your kingdom will come. In the meantime, everyone buys and sells, trying to do well. Like you taught us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this dear old earth as it is in splendid heaven. Let the poor be remembered in their affliction. I heard their heart cries. We need to speak about justice. A country is not only what it does, but what it allows. Challenging empires. God, faithfulness, resistance. We are existing, but not living. You would say, I am afflicted with your affliction. Let angels take wings, till the bells ring, till peace sings. Till all things are new, no more chosen few, you reign king, sweet peace bring. The light is always on with Nightlight. Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight. Well, let's stay tuned into the Middle East, Peter. I love this next poem on your list, The Sheikh. It paints a very vivid picture. Tell us about this one. Right. So a sheikh is, as a patriarch, is an older, kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> me also. And um, we were having a meal at this uh, five-star restaurant, and I looked over and I saw this man, and uh, Again, like the Spirit was really speaking to me, and I was observing, you know, his family and how he interacted with them. And yeah, it's like I'm hearing a voice and I'm just kind of writing down what I hear in the Spirit. The Shake. Upon watching a family eat dinner at the Moven Pick Hotel restaurant at the Dead Sea, Jordan. The aged head of an Arab family, tribe, village, wizened face lined with the story, sitting next to our table, eating little, not able. His granddaughter, 
feeding him a bit of chocolate cake, too rich for him to take much. Simple fare suits him better, allows himself only a bite in his daily survival fight. They don't say much of news and weather and such. Too many days stand between them. Chatting is not their habit, yet something is shared. Love's respect from hearts bared. Later I see the centurial patriarch in a wheelchair, attended by those who care. Surrounded by his extended tribe, his full family walks gently by his side. The sheikh's treasure spent in good measure. A fashion statement on their lips and hips, in gear with the latest wear. Eager for fame and a shot in the game, there is a hushed sadness as they stroll together. Watching your slow fight royal of blood and toil. In this corner, building up, anabolism, and in that corner, tearing down, catabolism. There is no levity knowing gravity will win. They marvel that they have sprung from the man they call the shake. Their hope is that your mortal clay, though slipping into decay, will get a total remake from the potter, a reshape. They hope to meet again, hale and hearty, that family love will live on for eternity. Shake, what are you thinking about? Perhaps, how will they remember me? What will my future be when I head out of town? Yes, you're with Nightlight and with our guest on today's show, Curtis Peter Van Gorder. Peter, let's have one more poem from the Middle East and then we'll break for a song. How about this one at the food gallery? Going to a, um, a food market in Amman, Jordan is quite an experience. If you've ever been there, it's very different from other markets. I was really struck by the colors of the, you know, the colors are so vivid of the vegetables and you could really it was like maybe you're not in a forest or you're not in a, in a beautiful nature but it's like you could feel the creator the work of the creator because all of these things are natural all these vegetables and fruits and they're just so bright colors and just you know you could you could really feel god's spirit <laughs> in the vegetables and fruit right you know what i'm saying you know and how rely on these for our sustenance, our daily survival. Because, you know, God could have made something, you know, plain and ugly, but he didn't. He made it because he's the magic painter, he's the creator. Yes. Like, a, you know, if you see a Rembrandt or a Picasso, you can tell the, the artist, right? And so when you see a, a sunset and you see the beautiful colors of a undersea life in the corals and and then you see the vegetable market you can see it's the same creator you know so yes it really struck me about the beauty of it and of course all the people interacting and the activity going on at the food gallery I strolled through the food gallery showcase commonly known as the food marketplace beheld a cave of edible art treasure, 
Its sculptured works, living creations, characters of varied occupations. A resilient, persistent midget pleads with an angry man who is on his knees. The words are hot, they say, then angrily they walk away. But this is a sideshow to the real drama. The stars of this noisy foodorama are the fruit veggie cornucopia, vivid violets, vibrant yellows, peppery greens, beety rich reds, oniony browns, carroty oranges, eggplanty purples, dazzling, enticing, symmetrical, rhythmical, stacked to perfection in piles and files, in stacks on racks. Colors teeter on the edge of the feeder spectrum. For those who cannot find a forest near, walk here, come, buy and eat. Receive a rush of colors that soothe your troubled spirit. Visual balm, come see it, come feel it. The sound of the hawker and the musian blend. Come in prayer, come here. Come for one dinar, a kilo can be yours. Come and worship as you pick your vegetables. Pick from our young ones, our ripe ones, our succulent ones. Spectacular, spectacular. We pick, ignoring the misshapen, the firm, the proud, the robust are taken. Those without worm, the unmarred are taken. <laughs> True, sometimes we pick a few for good humor. Eccentric veggies are always a good laugh. We hold up a cucumber and admire its shape. The hawker interrupts our solemn selection process. Take them home, make them your own, eat what we have sown. Their colors will shape you, let the memory of their taste tempt you. The master painter has dipped his brush in his palette and has not been found wanting. Luscious treasures for diners, coaxed from the earth's bosom by patient miners, sweating in midday sun, their babies nurtured till done, only to be sold to you, the chosen few. But do not fear, there'll be more next year. Come again then, come tomorrow, a new shipment will be in. Beautiful carrots will come. Buy now, take some. These tomatoes want a home. Try them, buy them, rinse them, mince them, dice them and slice them. Try them, buy them. He beckons the buyer to see if he lies. A tree of plastic bags remains still on a string. Remnants of a past string of believing buyers. They have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We buy so much from him we cannot carry it, so we hire someone to do it for us. We have made friends. Verily, verily, we will be fed. We shall not go hungry to our soft bed. Internalized and ostracized Harmonized, revitalized, immortalized Horrified, terrified and nullified Brushed aside, vilified and mortified 
justified, sanctified, and glorified. One touch from an awesome God. One word and a life is changed. One wave of His mighty hand breaks apart those chains. Undeclared, unprepared, and running scared. There's no one there Brought to bear, you say a prayer He meets you there One touch From an awesome God One word And a life is changed One wave Of His mighty hand Breaks apart Those chains Breaks apart One touch As I said at the beginning of the show, I was delighted to come across Jerry Asmus as I was browsing the New Beat website, which is hosted by Dan in the US. It's a wonderful resource for thousands of Christian songs that you can listen to or download. And you will find there an album called The Best of Jerry Asmus, which has 24 songs. And I'll play one more for you as we close this show. With music to calm and soothe your soul, you're listening to Nightlight. Back now to Curtis Peter Van Gorder, reading another poem from his newly released three volumes of poetry entitled Poems from a Raconteur. This one is called The Mushroom Picker. Right. So um, this happened to me a couple of times. You know, I was on vacation with some friends and they said, okay, we're going to go mushroom picking now. I go, what? Mushroom picking? I never heard of that in my life. They were real experts at it. And they were so excited about mushrooms. And it was like a treasure hunt for them. And it was like, <laughs> so anyway, this was a whole new world for me, the mushroom picker. If you've ever tasted wild mushrooms, they're quite nice. And uh, I became a mushroom fan. But I don't have the faith to pick them myself. So I always go with an expert. It's dangerous if you pick the wrong one. Absolutely. You can, I, I mentioned that in the poem, you know, how, what can happen. The Mushroom Picker. After embarking on a mushroom hunting expedition, Peerbach, Austria, 
August 2020. Hey, hey, hey! It's mushroom picking time! The conditions are fine. We had rain, then we had sun. It's time for mushroom picking fun. Earth wants to share the, her treasure. She awaits your good pleasure. You don't know what you're missing. Mushroom picking is like fishing. Fry em or dry em, the fish of the mountains are calling us. But please, don't be in too much of a rush. Mushroom hunter, be thou not a fool, confusing a room with a toadstool. Go for what you know, what does the book show? As the experts, when in doubt, be always on the lookout. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. These treasure houses of minerals can be tasty, so rich in vitamin B as well as vitamin D. I went with my daughter one day. I said, he will show the way. Ask the Lord where they may be. Keep eyes open for signs you can see. Look for the fairy ring and lion's mane, the gypsy, hedgehog, and slippery jack. Look for the sweet tooth and the saffron milk, the velvet shank and the weeping milk cap. Look for the bolletus edulis and the cantharius sabrarius. Of course, don't forget to look for some of these in the book, the Heracum erinaceus and the Lactarius deliciosus. It's treasure hunt fun when you'll spot one, which will lead you to more of what we're looking for. But it's extremely crucial to be aware of the lethal. Beware Amenita Philodia. For if you ingest it, nothing happens for two days, but then you'll need a liver transplant. Life is never without risico, no matter where you go. So much is plentiful and beneficial. Be sure you're right, then go ahead, and you shall be surely fed. Peter, we don't have the best quality right now in our connection for your introductions, but never mind, let's go on. It's just so cool that you can do something like pick mushrooms and then be moved to write a poem about it. Uh, you see, kind of basically in my life, whenever something strikes me or like it's something really out of the ordinary, I try to write it down and I try to reflect on it because mm -hmm. I know that when you get older or as time goes by, you forget these things. So when I read things that I wrote from before, it's like I'm reading somebody else's piece. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's I remember that. But I could never write it uh, something that detailed or something with that so much feeling, you know, many months or years later. It's almost like you say, almost like a photograph of the moment, you know, but not only the, the visuals, but also the feelings and the experience itself. That's a very good way to look at it. Actually, it makes me sorry that I didn't write poems along my life's way. Right. Well, I'd like to I'd like to encourage everyone to give it a try because, you know, sometimes you might think, oh, I'm not a poet. I don't know how to do that. Don't worry about that. Just, you know, there are many poets who 
like Emily Dickinson, she wrote, she's considered one of the greatest American poets, and she only sold two of her poems in her whole lifetime. You don't, ha you don't have to think that you have to write for a certain audience. You can just write for as a reflection. So, you know, as a meditative exercise to, to kind of remember things and to reflect on them. You know, with people being so distracted and immersed in everything that they're watching on YouTube, Facebook, all the different social media platforms, I'm sure there's not as many people who are taking the time to be alone with their thoughts and to reflect on things and to write poetry, which is very sad. But I hope, Peter, that these poems will inspire at least some people to write poems, and particularly young people, so it won't become a dying art. If, it, if yep. something turns you on and moves you, it's probably going to move someone else. It'll probably touch a chord in someone's heart somewhere. I feel all right when I'm listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight. Returns. Upon returning to the house where I grew up in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania, USA. I am known of me from born to now and things I touch, hear, and see by people and places, by bits of silver nitrate crystals, in old shoelaces, in clay or in soil, in wood or in metal, and then I am me being known. I feel like Superman coming home, going out to the barn, lifting the cellar door, my crystal glowing, beckoning me to pick it up. Laying in dust were memories, waiting to be activated, meeting my old friends, familiar faces, a hoe, a hammer, a spade, or driver, holding in my recognize their weight and scratches. I wonder if they will greet me, but they're mute. A rose bowl, now chipped, once proudly graced our table, now only fit to hold things that have no place. Keys that none knows open what? Pens that probably don't work, and paper clips with nothing to clip, and things that have no name and just more of the same. All things change in the seasons of life, but some change slower than others, leaving wisps of history behind them like jet trails in the sky for a fleeting moment long enough for one generation to reflect on from whence it has come. I drive by my old home, now inhabited by another family, a pilot I learn, a nice family I learn, worthy to live where we once did, dad sitting next to me like a kid, ducks down so as not to be seen. We are welcomed in, I decline the invitation. How would I explain my dad suddenly popping up as an apparition? The trees have gotten taller. Lights lighten their boughs. A trampoline springs where we had a swing. The mother tells me from a distance, I found an old Civil War lead soldier when I was digging in the garden. It must have been yours. That toy soldier went missing in action 45 years ago. That was before I learned that real soldiers don't get up when they're shot. The earth holds secrets from one generation to another. I wonder if some Native American ghost 
had walked by my house when I was young, thinking, I used to roam these woods in search of game. Now it's inhabited by another family, a white man family. They seem nice. A lawyer, he learns. I remember once coming upon a deserted cabin, what was left of it, and wondered who lived there then. Now, just remnants of hopes and desires, whispers of history. We walk through the farm, a gross misnomer. The roof of the spring house has fallen. Vines are assaulting a stone wall that's resisting. The barn has long ago been looted for its charming timber. Where once the sun shone so brightly, a meadow of wild flowers sways gently. The shed still stands. I pose in its window. Our time is up. We must return. The next morning when I wake up, I feel like Rip Van Winkle, but I am neither he nor Clark Kent. I am known of me. Peter, there are two more poems that you've prepared for this program, and thank you so much for the time you took to add music and sound effects and so on. The two poems are Metaphysical Donut and I Hear Africa Singing. I only have time to play one, so let's choose the Africa one, as I know you were a missionary here in Uganda when I first arrived here with my family 21 years ago. And I remember you writing a play which you produced at the National Theatre about life in Africa, which I even had a small part in. (laughs) And I know you still have a heart for Africa. So tell us about this poem, I Hear Africa singing. Okay, well, this is a, a very famous poem by Walt Whitman. It's called I Hear America Singing. And he's okay. talking about all of the, you know, different labors and all the people they make like a symphony, you know, all the people working at the different labors, their different jobs, their different activities. It's like a, a symphony of music, you know, of singing. And the same idea, the same concept. What would Africa be singing? And so I thought, well, it's not only songs of joy, but also songs of sorrow. But how much God loves Africa and all the people in it, each and every person. So I just wanted to reflect on that. You hear Africa singing, inspired by Walt Whitman's I Hear America Singing. Do you hear Africa singing? What do you hear? Come near, listen, listen. Part one, joy. I hear Africa singing, songs of laughter and joys, the heartfelt songs of men, women, boys. I hear women singing with joyful, trilling tongue, I hear the birth song of a new life begun. Storytellers sing of mountains and moons, the roaring song of the sand in wind-blown dunes. The Maasai herdsmen rustling through sun-bleached grass, the songs of a city 
throbbing in a teeny mass. The song of love, like a flower blossoming. Song of mystery of two lives entwining. The song of the reaping of the water's harvest using spear, net, line, hook, and basket. The clicking sound songs of the bushmen talking. The song of millions of laborers working. The song of the digger sweating under a sweltering sun. The joyous song of rest after all labor is done. The song of drums and flutes and wedding celebration. The songs of dancers leaping in joyful elation. Part 2. Sorrow. Do you hear Africa weeping? Hear the sorrowful singing? The drum song of tribesmen beating a communication. Song of exploitation, of desperation. Song of colonization, of devastation. The song of reconstruction, of determination. These varied songs fill my ears. Today's songs learned from past years. Government news sings exploits of war heroes, but I hear dirges from victims of a hundred mad Neros. The cries from victims of mad leaders, of child abusers and wife beaters. Bitter songs of fear and destruction, of disease and destitution, from refugees of war, of separation. The lament of a child for his lost mother the sad songs of those who have no other, the song of the sick who moan and cry, the funeral song for those who die, the song of tears that no one wishes to feel, the sick song of corruption of a backroom deal, the Kiswali have the saying, Mafuta Mingi, people who get riches without toiling. Africa singing? Songs of hope for a bright new day, of those seeking a better way. I hear the songs of souls seeking a smile from their maker, the singing of hymns to worship their creator, the Musean calling with a song to prayer, a song of pilgrims seeking the way, the song of greetings and farewells, a song of parting, of joining, songs of comings and goings of faithful friends who smile, of enemies returning from exile, in airports and stations and ports of all kinds, a song of the displaced, replaced, lost minds peace finds. Africa's song is of playing, of working, of praying, of sighing, of groaning, of moaning, of dying, of crying, of buying, of growing, of singing, of dancing, of caring, of loving. All of its varied notes blend in harmony, the heart cry of the African family that transcends as it ascends. 
is heard by the origin of all things, who loves this people as it sings. Africa's joy and heartache, he promises to not forsake. Leave her not either, sing her song together. Hear Africa singing, sing her song together. Peter Van Gorder, thank you for all you shared on the show today. It's been truly inspiring. Please tell the listeners how they can get a free copy of Poems from a Raconteur. Well, uh, if anyone like a copy, we have a few books. Actually, this is uh, the fifth one, and there's also a Christmas book coming. So if you're interested, just drop me a line at new2, that's a number two, mailbox at yahoo.com new to mailbox at yahoo.com and my name is peter so you're peter van gorder so you're welcome anytime to drop me a line and then i can send it to you come back again soon peter and thanks once again oh you're welcome it's my pleasure and uh, i just would like to uh, wind up but just by encouraging everyone to take pen to paper and write down your thoughts and feelings and experiences. And I'm sure you'll be blessed that and you'll bless others. Keep moving and grooving in this difficult time. Keep looking up. Bye-bye. And until next time, bye-bye to all of you listening. And we'll go out with one more song from Jerry Asmus. God bless. Living in this town Sure can wear you down It's getting harder to pretend People pass you by Never catch your eye Everybody needs a friend Hold out your hand Don't be too proud Look to the sky Cry out loud He calmed the storm He stopped the waves He called to Lazarus And drew him from the grave He felt you When he bore the shame He took it all Till only God's love could remain Was there once a day When this was miles away And you were closer than found Or was it just a dream Harder than it seems To get your feet back on the ground Why don't you call Call on his name You have a friend And he knows your pain He 
become the storm He stopped the waves He called to Lazarus and drew him from the grave He felt you when he bore the shame He took it all till only God's love could remain Living in this town, shrunken where you down. 